this Sights and Sounds. I'm your host, Alan Kiger, and what you're about to listen to was previously recorded for a radio interview. This is Alan here in WYRZ, and I'm interviewing Richard Young of the Kentucky Headhunters today. How are you, Richard? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine, baby. Just uh, we're up here uh, in French Lick, Indiana, playing this beautiful casino. My goodness, I've never been here. So, what a great place! You've never, you've never been here before. No, sir. No. Are, you, what, are you staying in the hotel? Well, we're not staying. I mean, yeah, we what have mean, rooms. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We stay on the bus. You know, um, we sleep. You can give us uh, rooms at the Taj Mahal. We'd sleep on our bus <laughs> because we sleep so so well. It's a you know you have your own little cubicle and get in there and you can adjust your air and and uh, you know if you want to listen to music you got headphones and got TV in the bunks and so really it's not anything that we have and it also. I, I think it kind of takes you back to being in, in your mom or something. You feel so secure in that little bunk. You just sleep so well or something. It's a strange thing. Well, I wondered when we walked in, you said Richard, or you said Fred Three. was asleep in the in the bunk. And I thought, well, why would you be asleep in the bunk when you've got a, a no. nice room to go to? But well, You know, you get in there and it's nighttime all the time, you know. And you, as you can hear, there's a little rumbling engine going from the little Kohler engine that keeps the lights going and stuff during the day when we show the big engine off so that kind of like rocks you to sleep so to speak okay well let's talk about a, a few songs today we got off your safari album we got deep southern blues again what deep, can you deep south blues deep south i don't know i don't know why i wrote down. that's Sorry. okay deep south blues again deep south blues again man you know what it's just a great rock and roll song i was up in the practice house and sat there and and i was really trying to write blackstone cherry a new song my son's band and so I, I wrote this song out, and I went to him with it, and I said, hey, let's take this and make it into something for y'all. And they didn't like the music to it, but they liked some of the words. So we, we, we robbed some of the words from Deep, Deep South Blues again and created the number one song, uh, Bad Luck and Hard Love, which was big, you know, number one in Europe and made that song so when we were doing on safari uh, of course our dad had, had been real sick he was 93 years old and a couple of weeks before we went to the studio we lost him so we were kind of like pushed to come up with some songs so I remember this deep south blues thing so I went back and rewrote more lyrics for the lyrics that we had taken away and used in bad luck and hard love so, and it was always still a song. I just wrote it from the same same point of view and that sort of thing. So I was lucky with that one to say. Made two songs out of one. That's a pretty good deal. Well, let's, let's go on to another song. And I, I touched with you on this one when I did the uh, newspaper interview with you, uh, Crazy Jim, which I, I think right. is, I think everybody has a Crazy Jim in their town. Sure. I mean, well... When when I was the only public job I ever had when I got out of high school was while we were <clears throat> waiting for the younger boys, Anthony and Fred, to get out of high school so we could do a lot of touring. Uh, Greg worked at the record store and electronic store, and I worked at the local music store. And this fella, his name was not Jim. Uh, we'll keep that covered up forever, but he would come in the store, and he always had a car, and the trunk was full of rocks. And he would come in and had a burlap bag, and he would bring some of these rocks into the store on Saturdays and give them to people and tell them that, you know, 
you take this rock and keep it, and it'll make you it'll make you rich. And everybody laughed at him, you know, and, and said, what well, old man's crazy, them, them rocks ain't worth a penny, you know, and a nickel, as it says in the song. And uh, <clears throat> so, that, but it bothered me that people made sport of him and fun because I don't think, I don't think he really meant make you rich financially. I, I think that he meant sp- spiritually. Is everybody's got to believe in something, and and so I, I I carried that idea from the time I was 18 years old until we did on safari, and I'd never been able to. I knew if I ever started down the wrong road trying to write it, it was a real story, and I had to I had to really be on my game to make it right. And one day I was just sitting up the practice house with an acoustic guitar, and our old farmhouse, you know, that we have, we've had since '68 to rehearse in. And all of a sudden, bang, it just poured out. Crazy Jim. But his real name wasn't Jim, as I right. said. But, you know, we leave that unnamed. And, uh, but I just, all my life, I felt I needed to write that song about a guy that maybe he wasn't talking about getting rich financially. He was trying to teach everybody that everybody needs to have some sort of spirituality in their life. Or maybe friction, friendships, friendships, or, or whatever you know. Health and uh, <clears throat> I think it it came out quite well. It took me 15 minutes. It was done. So that's amazing how you songwriters do that. I first caught that off of a YouTube video. That I, I thank God we live in a world where I can just watch any kind of video before you go to interview sure. somebody. And then I, that inspired me to go get the the CD. But the the last song on that uh, CD on Safari album was Governor's Cup, and I really liked the just complete instrumental. It, it brought me to a different thing. I mean, you're always listening to music, and you're always listening to words and what people right. have to say. And I think, and I don't know what your take on that, how a musician's take is, but mine, I think everybody has their own idea of where you disappear to in your head when you're listening yeah. to that. Yeah, it's just like the song we wrote, Dumas Walker. The, initially, Mercury Records didn't want to put it on the album. And even down to the mastering session, uh, they took me in a back room and said, listen, we, we, we got to leave that song off there because it's too regional. Nobody else will get it. And I said, no, you don't understand. Everybody's got a Dumas Walkers. You know, I don't care if it's going around the Dairy Dip every Saturday night or going to the, you know, root beer stand, A&W root beer stand, going to the movies. Everybody's got something they like to do to hang with friends. You know, go down to the river and shoot 22s and drink beer whatever it is that's their Dumas Walker and that's why that song exploded because everybody missed that hey let's all go thing somewhere yeah. and uh, but, you know speaking of uh, and what song are we talking about I got oh, uh, uh, when we were talking about Governor's Cup yeah okay I'm sorry I'm but, back but while you're on that I got a question did, did Ski ever give you like a royalties for for selling their drink through the song Whiskey, no, no, Coca Cola owns it now. But uh, you know, it was a, it would have been a grand opportunity. But you know, these people are kind of like the headhunters in Greensburg, Kentucky. They wanted to stay family owned, and I appreciate that. But they sure had an opportunity to go nationwide with it at that time. But uh, they just, I respect that that they wanted to keep it local, and you know what, it paid off. 
you know, they were able to keep it in the family. So, uh, and that's kind of the way the headhunters think about everything, too. We, you know, we're very self-contained. A lot of people pitch us songs and, oh, this would be a good song for the headhunters, but if we don't get it, it's not a good song for us. It might be a number one song for somebody else, <coughs> but if we can't, if we can't get a grasp and get our arms around it and make it a headhunter song, then it doesn't work. That's why we pretty much, uh, in the early years, we, uh, you know, we, we did like Walk Softly, which was actually written by Bill Monroe and Jake Landers, and it was very bluegrassy. And, uh, you know, Spirit in the Sky was Norma Greenbaum's song. But we knew we could take those songs and meld them into something else, you know. And the, and the way that came about is in the 70s when we started playing rock bars, we would give the uh, bar our song list, <coughs> excuse me, and the, uh, the guy would say, well, man, I ain't never heard any of these songs here. And they said, no, we wrote them. And he said, well, you can't come in here and play two hours and, and play all your own stuff. You got to play some covers. So we started taking cover songs and twisting them and making them into our own. Like Drive My Car by the Beatles was a big one we did. And it's still, we wouldn't mess the melody or any of that, but we would make the music take on a different uh, color and approach, you know? Well, I think with Spirit of the Sky, I think you guys did a great right, yeah. remake of that. Yeah, and Norman you- Greenbaum was interviewed in uh, Rolling Stone, and he said, well, you know, it's been recorded a Zigging times, what's your favorite? And he said the Kentucky Headhunter. So I thought that made us feel good, you know. Let's talk about Governor's Cup. Yeah, let's go back to that. Okay, well, as I said earlier, uh, right before we went in the studio, we lost our father, and James Howard Young, who was a, a great, iconic school teacher in Southern Kentucky, as well as a big historian and, uh, you know, just an interesting guy to talk to about anything, you know. He never met somebody they couldn't talk to whether it was you know somebody working in the tobacco patch or the president you know he's just one of those guys kind of like a cross between uh jimmy stewart and gene kelly if you could imagine that like the that. interesting fella yeah. but um anyway uh, fred and i were you know dealing with that at the time and well all the boys were because you know our practice house was only like 200 yards from mom and Dave's house so, you know, every night after we practice all of our life, Mom would have, you know, Mexican hamburgers and chocolate chip cookies or whatever for strawberries. And we'd go down there at midnight, Mom and Dad would still be up, you know, waiting for us to come to the house. And we all slept there, and it was just a great time. And uh, But Greg had been working on this thumb-picking thing. Greg's a, a great student of people like Mose Rager and Merle Travis and Chad Atkins who learned from them. And... Uh, uh, most of that sound came out of the area around Muhlenberg County and Central City and up there in the coal mines, you know, western coal mines, not the eastern ones of Kentucky. But uh, Greg had been toying with this. So I said, won't y'all just put down a track of that and let's see what happens. And then when they got it down, is I kept listening to it. And so if you look at the video of it, is Greg's playing all this thumb picking stuff, and then I went back over and put like almost like a George Harrison uh, early Beatles melody over the top of it, which made for a very interesting That's deal. A great song. Great yeah, song. man. Yeah, it's a cool song. Thanks. And uh, but it was actually the, the title Governor's Cup is the reason it was called that. Is uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, during the state fair, they have a championship three and five gated horse show. 
and our dad was very big and uh, matter of fact we still have the same bloodline of uh, gated horses we've had since the Civil War and their family wow. and uh, we still have about 25 of them on the farm and uh, our dad used to raise brood mares and would have colts and he sold to all the uh, you know big shots in the horse business you know I can remember going to um, going to a Tattersall sale where that daddy would sell some of his colts and you know maybe somebody buy one from him for eighteen hundred dollars and we'd see it sell for eighteen thousand a year later you know but um the fella in uh i'll tell you who was a big gated horse guy was um uh the guy in star uh star trek uh captain kirk william shatner yeah and i can remember being a little boy and sitting with him and my dad and they'd be talking horses and i had no idea he was gonna be in a tv show one time it came on and i said look daddy there's Mr. Shatner there. And he said, oh, no, that's not him. And, you know, it was, because Daddy didn't even know he was an actor because they, they didn't talk about things like that. They talked about horses. So, you know, and I would meet a lot of movie stars and stuff when I was a little kid. I didn't even know that they had other interests besides being in movies. That was just their job, you know. And you guys still have the, these, these style horses. Oh, yeah, no. I think that's the same style. I, I worked at a horse farm when I was a kid. Uh-huh. And... Uh, Guy by the name of Jimmy Lowry was a trainer. Uh huh. I think he's over in Illinois, and I. Th- I know that name. Yeah, I think he trains those, and I think he might have trained William Shatner's. I'm not 100. Yeah, Jimmy sure. Lowry sounds familiar. Yeah, too bad over. Daddy's not here to tell us, but I'll bet you. I think Jimmy Lowry's been down to the farm before. I wouldn't surprise me. I know Shatner's been down there, and a lot of other people. But anyway, so there's a Daddy was on a team of people that devised a trophy for. Uh, that's the championship five gated class, which was the biggie, and uh, it was like a big sterling silver uh, goblet type thing, real big, nice thing with sterling silver, and had all the inscription in of what it was, and it was called the Governor's Cup. Richard, I got I got one more song I want right. to talk to you about. It's something sure. that looked from, from the, what I found that all four of you had written. Um, called some folks like to steal. Yeah. Uh, now, a- now let me let me let me just tell you about how the headhunters write songs. A, a lot of the songs I, I may have come up with a melody and a lyric, but we share all of our songs. We write every song is shared that we write because it, it the, you know I learned it from the Beatles. It was really the Beatles would probably still be around if. Paul McCartney and John Lennon was just shared some writing off some of those songs, you know, because you, you, nobody sounded like Ringo. Okay, he's a drummer, but he's like Fred. Fred sings the drums. He doesn't play them. He makes notes with them. And Greg, I would hate to think about writing a song without Greg Martin coming up with some unbelievable original hook guitar thing. Because otherwise, it's just pieces of paper in my pocket and notes in my head. So well, I like, I like yeah, your take that's on that the way we do it. So I wanted to make sure that your audience realized that if you look on our albums, you'll always see songs written by the Kentucky Head on us. Occasionally, in the early days, there were songs that, uh, for an obvious reason, that were classified as a person writing, you know, like Rock and Roll Angel, it shows that I wrote that, and, uh, and that's cool, but I, it really wasn't just me. I couldn't have done that without the other guys, really, you know. That's I, the I wrote thing the, you got to fight about. Yeah, well, yeah, 
Bingo. And, and, you know, a lot of people think that we're crazy doing that, or I'm nuts, because they don't write songs. They write songs, and they let other people figure out. But think of all the great licks uh, that have been have been put together by some studio musician who just got paid studio time. A good example, Jerry Kennedy, the producer. He's the guy going, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, on Pretty Woman. That was the song. He he got paid 150 bucks to create that, wow. you know. I think so, how many other artists have recorded that over the yeah or any other song, you know. So just like the Wrecking Crew out in uh, California in the 60s and 70s, I mean, Lord of Mercy, uh, Benny Kay, that girl, and, and Leon Russell, uh, Trini Lopez, Jen, Glenn Campbell, uh, God, all those guys were were like. Uh, you know, B.J. Wilson, the drummer, all those guys up in, I look at the ones up in uh, Motown. What about those guys? Yeah. They played played on all those great uh, Retha hits and, and soul hits, but they were just studio musicians. There was a guy from Danville High School. He's 81, I think, now, or 82, graduated class 54, Bob Schneider, and he played the sax on all that Stevie Wonder superstition. Uh, he went to sax records. He was playing the sax on Otis Redding, oh, sitting on the dock God. at the bay, wow. the Soul Man, you know, and he's still getting royalties from some of these things. Yeah, well, now, see, some of those guys are smart enough they get paid on them. He, he did the arrangements on all of them, yeah. but I don't think he ever got paid on the stack stuff. Right. I think that's still a... Look, uh, t- tell, tell me a little bit about Some Folks Like to Steal. I just kind of picked that one out, you know, because I think that was... Right. Every guy's probably had that deal where there's been a, another guy trying to hone in on your woman. Was that something that you had seen I thought that was pretty cool. happened, had happened to actually, you? Actually, probably, but that wasn't what gave me the title. <coughs> if people saw our early videos they would recognize a guy who was basically helped raise us raise me uh, who took care of my grandmother's farms the African American gentleman Jakey we called him James Cowell and he lived with my grandmother from 1946 until and then when she died he moved he lived with Cindy and I my wife and I because he was like a surrogate father to me second guy because I followed him behind his heels he taught me how to shoot guns drive tractors and all this stuff and I listened to him before I leaned on every word he said just like my dad if you can imagine what it was like with my grandmother and him it was it was like a hillbilly version or a country version of driving Miss Daisy around and my grandma always had a new Cadillac and she would let Jakey drive her everywhere and, and they'd go out in the hay fields in a new Cadillac or or go feed cows out of the back of it with sacks of grain it, you know just, just and it was a great life you know Jakey and I would we'd hunt and we'd catch mud turtles and my grandma would cook them and it was, it was a boy's life really fun and really she raised Jakey with my father he lost his parents so when daddy went to college Jakey never left he stayed with my grandmother and and so I was raised but uh, when Cindy and I moved out to the house I had to have a lawnmower so I bought me a push mower which I couldn't do that now it's like three acre yard but so one night somebody got my lawnmower and I said Jakey Where's my lawnmower? He said, I told you to put that lawnmower up. Boy, said, some folks like to steal. And then bang, it hit me. And so I wrote the song about a lawnmower, my lawnmower getting stolen. But it was from the point of view of 
some guy in the back seat wanting to take over your girlfriend. It's all the same. Thievery is not a good thing. No, <laughs> you're going to be playing in Marengo, Indiana, September 1st. Yes, sir. And I see you're going to be playing uh, September 26th in Auburn, Indiana. Uh, if you want to send out, you know, a message to all your fans here. Yeah, yeah, everybody. You know, Indiana's has, has been a great state and supporter. Indiana and Illinois uh, have been... Of, of you know all the states we've been has great luck, but Indiana has always stuck with us and Illinois especially, and uh, and uh, not to say that other states haven't, but it seems like that we have to we have to get around and see more people in those states, and so we're really excited about uh, going to Auburn, but you know Marengo we've been there before, and Jerry Hanger always brings us in, and it's such a great time, and I'm excited because I'm going to have uh, Jerry heard the band I'm producing and managing now the Georgia Thunderbolts and I'm going to have them with us warming up oh yeah and okay. you'll be hearing about them they just I'm, get, I'm going to come a, see that show I've never been to Marengo, Indiana yeah, so I'm going to they're getting a record deal so uh we're going to be doing doing big things with them, helping. That's been kind of been my thing is to help other children that have good bands and stuff. Well, thanks, Richard, for taking the time and doing the interview. I appreciate it, and look forward to seeing you both those dates. This is Alan Kiger, and I hope you've enjoyed the interview on Sights and Sounds. The music that frames this podcast is the original music of Paul Myrie.